Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that there were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, every plate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in their Crystal Valley, in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Life Listen Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We also also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. In today's episode, we are talking about the effects of social media on our reading habits, as in actually reading books, not Facebook posts. We are continuing the discussion of the art of detachment and how to really focus on the here and now with one of my favorite authors, Sherry Huber. And we are also talking about television as a self-care method, which might sound strange, but hear us out. Um, It can be self-care. And we're going to also dish on some of our current TV favorites. I think it's funny that we're going to talk about like, you know, the issues of, um, you know, too much internet use and then TV as self-care. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, like we said, random multitudes Multitudes, Kristen. We contain multitudes. We do. We do. Just going to keep on quoting Walt Whitman. Let's just do it every, at the start of every, every single episode. one. So it just gives mm-hmm. everyone, they can, they know what to expect from us. Random. I feel like if, if Walt Whitman knew that we were going to bastardize that quote <laughs> in an effort to justify watching The Bachelor, he would be, <laughs> he'd be mortified. Is he rolling over in his grave right now? Yes. Okay. Well, what can you, I mean, what can you do? So I got to talk about this 
this whole reading versus scrolling thing because it fully affects me. And well, it does me too. And just to clarify what we're talking about, we're talking about how we just don't read books anymore because we just spend our time scrolling the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to read tons of books. I still read a lot of books, but I just find that my attention span is yeah. not there. If, if the book starts slowing to a pace that I'm not happy with, I immediately just jump to something else, like my phone. Oh, I'll just go look something up. Need that instant gratification right now. What can I look up that lights mm-hmm. up the brain? And it sucks because I like books. <laughs> well, you're a step ahead of me that you're even trying. I mean, I have had in the last decade since, you know, kind of the advent of the internet and Facebook and all of that, I have had such a decline in my book reading. I barely read anymore. I, yeah. I don't even bother. I just sit and scroll Facebook and Twitter on my phone or oh, my computer. Oh, I know. And I think it's interesting that usually if I am reading a book, I'm reading four books. And I mm-hmm. think that's a perfect example of what our brains have gotten used to, this like jumping from one thing to another to another, that I just have four books that I'm reading at the same time. And that's and it's not smart. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't. Although I do the same thing. I mean, I usually have like 10 books on my nightstand. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I'm telling you, the only reason I read books anymore is because I'm in a book club and mm-hmm. I want to show up to class prepared. But if I was not in a book club, I would literally not read books. <laughs> and here's, here's what's sad. I'm a writer and many of my friends are writers and I've been sent lovely books from friends, bestsellers that I haven't read. <laughs> yeah. It's I, embarrassing. Like, I, yeah. Good friends wrote books that I haven't read. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Okay. So check this out. I saw this recent study by Microsoft looking into this matter and mm-hmm. it's now highlighting that humans have an attention span of eight seconds. And that's, oh, that's a four-second reduction from a decade ago and one second shorter than the attention of a goldfish. Oh, great. That is... That's wonderful. That's our, we have an eight-second attention span. And this is largely due to the digital revolution because that's a huge decrease from 12 to 8 in a decade. And do you ever, when you hear that stuff, just get this like internal existential crisis of like, what's becoming of us? Like we are at the forefront of this whole digital frontier. And like, I don't think we completely understand the effects of it, but there's part of me that's just like, we're becoming zombies. Like Wally, the movie is coming true. Oh, oh, I think about it all the time. And you know what? Really scary. Yeah, this we just don't have an attention span anymore, and it's not. Are, are, are we are we going to be able to turn this thing around, Kristen? Really? Well, I will say, you know, as an aside, and I, I know you're the same way. It's as a parent, I am definitely one of those do as I say, not as I do in terms of all of this. I'm super strict with my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't let them, I don't let them scroll really. Um, you know, they have phones, but they're totally locked down. They have very few apps and I make them read paper books. Mm-hmm. Um, I make them, I mean, you know, my kids are bored a lot and the result is they end up making crafts or they end up like my boys are constantly taking apart and putting back together skateboards because (laughs) I want them to have a tactile childhood, not a digital childhood. Yes. Um, but you know, then I have this fear of like, they're going to go off to college and they're just going to be, you know, because I've deprived them, they're going to just be like a zombie with their phone. Well, I think that's a valid fear. I do the same thing with my kids. You know, they they both love to read. Um, My daughter, Malou, just started Harry Potter, the Harry Potter books that I kept for my children, Uh. myself. Um, Although she and she's in first grade, which she's like, I'm ready, mom. I'm ready. I'm ready. A precocious reader. She is a precocious. And so is my son. But the thing is, I was a precocious reader, too. But I feel like no matter what, 
those phones, smartphones, social media is so addictive. And you know, there's so many articles and studies coming back showing that for sure. It's addictive. It lights up the brain. That even if we give them this tactile childhood, let's say until age 13, 14, I feel like it's all going to go to crap after that. Because once you get that in your hand, you're like, yeah, here we go. I know. And it's terrible because even, you know, I'm trying to instill these values in my kids. And so I'll even say stuff like, well, you don't want to just rot your brain. I mean, I'm all judgy. Like you don't (laughs) want to just rot your brain and be outside and have life experiences and do life affirming things. But, you know, meanwhile, mom's like, you know, scrolling Facebook on her phone. Oh, how many times am I like, no screens as I'm holding my phone up to my face? I'm the worst. I will admit it. I have a problem. Well, I think we we ha- we all have a problem. I mean, it's it's a fascinating sort of societal addiction, and it it absolutely is an addiction. I mean, there you know, there are many many studies on this. A study from Nottingham Trent University looked back and concluded that it you know there is a Facebook addiction disorder that many people experience because Ugh. you know when you look at their criteria for addiction, um, and I have you know a background in in that, um, you know. Some of the criteria in the DSM-4 is that you're neglecting your personal life, that you have a mental preoccupation, that it modifies your mood, that you um, develop a tolerance, meaning you do it more and more often, um, that you um, are not present in your life, that you experience withdrawal when you're not doing it. Like, that's true. All of it is true for many of us. And plus, it just gives you that false sense of community Kind, do you know what I'm saying? And it's something we we touched on, la- was it last week? I don't know. When we touched about how it was so important to actually be face-to-face with a human, touching a human, looking a human in the eye. And yeah. Yeah. And, and the and the oxytocin release that you get from real life interactions, which is an important, that's kind of the happiness hormone, you know? Yes. And it does not happen from a screen. There's another study that said that more friends on social media does not actually mean you have a better social life, that there's a cap on the number of friends that your brain can handle. Really? And it takes actual in-person interaction to keep up friendships. So it's like we have, we all have an illusion mm-hmm. that we're connecting, but it's not real connection. No, it's not at all. And I would, uh, yeah, I would wager that the more friends you have on Facebook, the less active social life you have in real, like I think person to person. I think that's absolutely true. Oh my gosh. You're stressing me out. I'm getting stressed. Well, out. I mean, okay. Uh, play devil's advocate here. Okay. I, I do think, I mean, there are some incredible benefits to social media and I will say, you know, I mean, as a person I can think of many times in my life where I would have felt absolutely isolated and I found people going through the same kind of thing that I was going through online that would not have happened in a regular analog life. True. Very true. You know, when I was going through infertility, I was surrounded by virtual people that were going through the same thing and I didn't feel totally alone and during my adoption process. And, you know, I think Everyone has found that kind of online community where you go, oh my gosh, I'm so glad this is here. But it's just, where do we draw the line? Where do we get to the point where we're like, okay, this is enough and I have to create boundaries and rules for myself because otherwise I'd be on my phone all day long. I really would. I mean, I, I even have like well, a cycle I, that I go through, like what I check, like do, 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 uh-huh. do, do, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, over and over when I get on it. Ugh. Well, I, th- I think that that question is something we all have to ask ourselves and, and we're not really talking about that, that, you know, what are, what are your personal life boundaries around social media? Like, I don't, I don't feel like I hear a lot of people talking about that, but I think it's an absolute necessity that you have to say to yourself, like, what is my value? And then mm-hmm. how am I going to live to that value? Cause I don't think any of us would state a value. Like I'd really like to spend three hours a day on social media. <laughs> Right. None of us would say that, no. but that's how we behave. And when yes. our, beha- you know, our behavior reflects our values. So if that's not a value, we have to change our behavior. I know. I know. I look to my husband a lot in this because he is not, he's not on social media. He just yeah, doesn't. he's not I mean, so much. No, he doesn't have a Facebook. He, I mean, nothing. He just, you know, he's on Instagram because he's kind of a visual, you know, he's an 
um, designer and he likes to get his inspiration from that too. But sometimes he just looks at me, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, what is, we, we found a, a non-social media person in the wild. <laughs> like what, a, <laughs> let's observe him. What does he do? I mean, what does he do in the evenings? To wind down because um, well, he doesn't watch TV either. He doesn't watch TV either. He reads magazines. He looks okay. at magazines, which I haven't looked at a magazine, an actual Dude, print right. magazine in right? years. I'm like, why Same. Why would you do that when you could just look it up really quickly on your phone, which I realize the problem there. But he just does not, he does not feel the need to know what's going on with everyone. He just, he just doesn't. He's like, it just yeah. doesn't concern me. Uh, that's not my, that's not my same. (laughs) Well, he, you know, personality wise, he's a little bit less social. And I think a lot of us are look, you know, our intentions are, we want to connect. We want to talk. We want to see what everybody's up to, which isn't a bad intention. But when we reach for our phone and hop on Facebook, instead of making a phone call, sending a text, sending a Vox, that becomes problematic. And I think the magazine thing brings up an interesting question too, because I'm like you, I don't read actual magazines anymore. I'll just, I'll go to Pinterest, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the thing is I used to do, I've replaced with something digitally, but Mm -hmm. what's the problem with scrolling Pinterest instead of sitting down and looking at a magazine? Like what are the critical differences between those two experiences? Well, I, I think that sitting down and looking at a magazine is such a singular entity in itself. Yeah. It's it, it requires yes. your focus. You're focusing on one thing. For me, if I go on Pinterest and I'm looking for the same thing that I'm looking for in a magazine, I might start with that, but that's not where right. I'm going to end. That's not where I'm going to end up. And I know that. Yeah. You know, you kind of start hopping around, and so it is. It's like it just draws you in, um, and it's that same kind of feeling of like what I was saying about the attention span and the studies. It's just, we can't Mm -hmm. seem to just focus on one thing anymore because there's so much coming at us. I agree. It's, it's just too much stimulation for the human brain. And it's, it's a stimulation in, in a couple different ways. It's a cognitive stimulation. You know, you're looking at like you, you scroll Pinterest, you're seeing like so many images all at once where with a magazine it would be, you know, generally one or two or three a page. Mm-hmm. But then it's also, it's physically stimulating in that you've got the blue light yes. back into your eyes. You know, you've got the flicker of a computer screen, which I, again, feel like we're just scratching the surface of understanding the effects of like backlighting on our eyes all day long. Mm-hmm. The it's blue not. light, it's, it's shown that it, completely messes up your sleep. You know, they have those different apps now or on your screen on your laptops that kind of dim that blue light at night. So it's more of a yellow based light because it messes with your sleep. So yeah, it's not only cognitive, it's also physical, physiological things that are happening within the body. And it just is ultra addictive. There's an interesting article about this that we'll link up on selfiepodcast.com in the Scientific American, and they say, research suggests that people comprehend less when they read on a screen because screen-based reading is more physically and mentally taxing, kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. E-ink is easy on the eyes because it reflects ambient light like a paper book, but computer screens, smartphones, and tablets shine light directly into your face, and depending on the model... Um, it can cause eye strain, headaches, and blurred vision. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. And I, I believe that. I mean, I, you know, on those days that I really sit at my computer and work eight hours in a row, my eyes hurt, my head hurts. I, I don't oh, feel yeah. good. It's kind of insane self-care if you really think about it, to work on a computer all day long and then to go back on it for your leisure time. It's, oh, yeah. it's kind of counterintuitive to self-care. It absolutely is. But also just mm-hmm. in, intellectually. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe we're um, losing intellect. I, I feel like we might be getting dumber. More dumb, dumber. <laughs> See, I don't even know which way to... <laughs> Case in point, <laughs> you know, just these, these <laughs> tiny little bite-sized pieces of information, and we're like hopping all over the place like flies. And I, yeah. I don't know, are are is that affecting our overall intellect? 
I think it does. And I think it actually, I think it affects the brain and the neural pathways. You know, I think that we are making ourselves more prone to dementia and, you know, it's, we are not strengthening our brains. No. You know, no. It's, it's kind of like atrophy. Mm-hmm. And what about like brain atrophy? hopping around and knowing a little tiny bit about a lot of things opposed mm-hmm. to when you, let's say you read a 300 page book, you would know yes. a fair amount about a subject. Now I feel like I just kind of know a little bit about a lot of stuff, but yeah, don't want to pay attention to learn anymore. Well, and there is something too to the fact that, you know, generally speaking, the book has been published. Someone's done a little fact checking, hopefully. Right. You know, but when you're reading everyone's opinions on Facebook, you know, sometimes that knowledge base isn't really formed by facts. That is so true. We're just taking in everyone's opinion and, you know, outrage often. And you think this is, this is happening with lots of people. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I think this is happening with lots of people. Absolutely. I would love to hear from people that are still reading lots of books and has, has it been affected? So you please leave a comment on selfiepodcast.com because I really, I, I miss reading books, but apparently I don't miss it enough to just do it. You know, it's just that allure, the allure. I think it's like everything else. It's it's like you have to set your intention and then follow through. You know, you have to decide your boundaries and your behaviors and I mean, do you, have you done any things to reduce, you know, your scrolling or your screen time? Like have you taken apps off your phone or put any, you know, yes. controls on your computer? What have you done? I have. Well, I well I have and then I then I stop those. <laughs> and then I, I <laughs> <laughs> Totally. I go through cycles when I'm just really put up with my behavior. And there was that one, um, I don't know if it's on Chrome, it's an extension or whatever, where it just cuts off your Facebook feed. I do have that installed on my computer. I cannot scroll Facebook on my computer. See, I did that for a while and then suddenly I didn't do that anymore. I think I need to put that back on. Well, well, what makes me laugh is like, we're literally describing another hallmark of addiction, like another criteria, which is efforts to stop have not been, you know, know. like you've tried to stop something and you haven't been able to. (laughs) I know. I know. Oh boy. That. No, I'm pretty, I I'm not some days I'm good. Some days I'm not. Let's just put it that way. Some days are better than others. But if anyone has suggestions for good apps or ways to, especially for my phone, I feel like my computer is not the problem. My laptop's not the problem. Mm-hmm. I kind of just know when I'm on my laptop, I'm working, I'm writing a post, yes. I'm doing this. And that. But my phone, I need some lockdown on this business. I did that one. There was an app that, um, you know, the Calm, the meditation app. Yes. They have another app. I forgot what it's called, like Checky or something, where it tells you how many times you've checked your phone in a day. And I did it and I promptly deleted it off my phone because I was mortified, (laughs) mortified. Oh yeah. You don't even realize. We'll we'll have to link that one up on, I I didn't know about that one. We'll have to link that one up on um, selfiepodcast.com. There's another um, productivity app that I used to use that would basically quantify the length of time you spent on social sites, news sites, or email and it would send you a weekly report. And for a while, some friends and I were sharing those reports with each other as like accountability. <gasps> and it was that's so cool. embarrassing. It oh my was gosh. so embarrassing. I would be mortified, but that's the best idea. Right. Cause that really, because I, f- I feel like that really would keep me in check because I would not want people to see that. <laughs> no, it's super embarrassing. There are a lot of ways to kind of get reporting sent to you. <laughs> Later, (laughs) even like my circle app, um, which I use at home to filter the internet for the kids, but I have myself under the circle app. So I'm actually, I'm going to pull mine up right now. Okay. You do that um, because it will tell you each day, um, how much time you spent on each app, which is kind of mortifying. (gasps) What is this called? Circle. Circle. Okay. I have. Yeah. Do you not have a circle? It's the best. No, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. You need one. So it's, it's actually a product by Disney. 
Okay. And it's an internet filter. And so you create profiles for each person in the home and then you set up their devices under each profile. So like my laptop and my phone are under my profile. You can lock people out of certain apps and certain websites. I mean, it's basically, it's a filtering software for children. Oh my gosh. I need that. It's, it's the best. Um, but you can also monitor yourself. I mean, it automatically kind of monitors everything. So I can, I, I can't actually, I, I just realized I can't do it because I'm not at home right now. But um, it's pretty, it's a pretty fascinating look at how you're spending your time and how your kids are spending their time. And it's a nice talking point to pull the kids over and say like, hey, I noticed you were, you know, you were on Musical.ly. Oh, <laughs> I could have that exact conversation with Malou. Oh, yeah, I was just, I was watching your daughter on Musical.ly yesterday and oh laughing so gosh. hard. All of our children are addicted to oh this Musical.ly have you, yeah, have you read her profile? No. What does it it's, say? She's like, hi, I'm Malou. Something like, I love love and unicorns, something like that. And then she'll be like, my mom checks this account and I only post on weekends because I won't <laughs> let her post except for Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> so <laughs> anyone that follows her on Musical.ly, which of course I have on massive lockdown, um, yes. she like does this onslaught of like 50 Musical.ly's on Saturday and Sunday because it's the only time I'll let her do it. And then she just goes silent for five days. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh my But yeah, Circle app is a great way to look at what you're doing. Um, I am forgetting the name of the the app that sends you an email, but I will find it and put that up on selfiepodcast.com. And then one thing we talked about in our sleep episode is, you know, um, we're really not supposed to have our phones in our bedroom. Right. But I told you but, I can't do that because it has the app that plays my white noise. That's yeah. my story and I'm sticking to it. I w- here's, a, here's an idea that I have thought about doing for myself. So I don't know about you, but I have a graveyard of iPhones in my house. Like Me too. iPhone 4s that, mm-hmm. you know, how Apple does Apple does it. Like you basically can't upgrade them anymore and no apps will work on them. Like we have first generation iPads in my house that are like bricks. Like you, there, no app will work with them. <laughs> right. But one thing that will work on them is the alarm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I have thought about keeping my own phone out of my bedroom and putting a stripped down old iPhone in my room to use as my alarm so that I cannot use the excuse that I need my phone as my alarm. Okay. But do you really feel like you're scrolling your phone in the middle of the night? Oh, not in the middle of the night, but I'll but do just, it before I... Oh, before you go I'll, to bed. I'll do it. I'll lay there and do it before bed. Yeah, I do too. Ugh. I do too. And mm-hmm. I don't like that vision of myself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like that picture of myself laying in bed with the screen I don't illuminating either. my face before I fall asleep. Like, that's not the person I want to be. But I think that is so many people... Last thing before you go to bed, first thing when you wake up. When I, I wake same. when I wake up, yes. I pull my phone and I look at my phone, the notifications on my phone. That is the very first thing I do when I wake up. That is horrible. I have a bullet journal and I went through a period where I was like, my my goal is to put my hand on my bullet journal before I do my phone. And just mm-hmm. kind of get that tactile experience and look at what I have to do. But no, I mean, I look at my phone first thing. And I think a lot of people do that. I think you're right. Let me share another tip that I do have for, you know, our weird digital age. Um, and and we both are, are big users of this is Voxer. So yes. Voxer is still an app, but it's a voice app. It, it is... It is a thing that you can listen to with headphones on. Um, and it is a way of connecting with people on your phone without having to make that dreaded phone call because I know we all hate phone calls now. We're all, that's another thing. That's another effect yeah. of the digital age. Like nobody knows how to make a phone call anymore. <laughs> Somebody calls me. I'm like, what's wrong? Who died? <laughs> totally. But, but Voxer is fantastic because you can leave little snippets. Um, you can leave you know, uh, as up to a 15 minute message, people can listen to it later. And it's a great communication tool for getting yourself like off of looking and scrolling. Um, it's your real voice. So I, most of my good friends and I keep up on Voxer and I now have my assistant and this is I don't know, someone embarrassing to admit, but this is my workflow with my assistant. She checks my emails and the important ones she reads to me on Voxer 
to keep me off my computer more. Oh, that's like, a good idea. I want to be off my computer. I'm tired of sitting there. I'm tired of the blue light in my face. I really am. So she reads my emails to me that are important. And I respond to her on Voxer with my voice and tell her how to respond. Um, and that has been hugely helpful for me to reduce my time sitting at my computer. Oh, I like that. And I have to, yeah. I have to echo Voxer. It's just, it's a great way to hear your friends' voices. It's not in real time. So, you know, we're all right. busy. We have a lot going on during the day. So, you know, you might leave me a message that I can't really get to for an hour yeah. or so. Or sometimes yeah. we are in our cars driving at the same time and we kind of go back and yeah. forth. But it does, it does. It, it keeps a bit of that human component there. You're not, you're not scrolling, you're not typing, you're actually talking. And it's, I think it's just better to do when you're, obviously when you're driving. Then it, it, it's great when you're driving because yeah, you it's, just don't have to great. touch anything or look at anything. So, mm -hmm. or yeah. I will even, you know, I am trying to get out into nature, which I think, you know, is another part of all of this is like, you've got to get out away from your screen and get outside and into nature. I like firmly believe that as a self-care tenant, but so, you know, I will put my headphones in and I'll catch up with friends while I'm walking, you know, yep. um, with Voxer, which is super helpful. No, that is, that is, these are, see, we've got some good tips. They're coming. No, we're not. Just takes all, us a not, while. Not all is lost. No, we, we complain <laughs> for a little bit, but then we, we get with it. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E -E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white pastel neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. 
You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. But I think this is a perfect opportunity to segue into this next section about getting outside, focusing on the here and now. You know, we talked about the art of attachment last week with BJ Hickman, and she mm-hmm. was awesome. And we wanted to continue that same subject. So today, I actually had the chance to talk to Sherry Huber, who is a Buddhist writer and teacher. Um, she is one of my favorite authors. Um, her books, there's just certain books that you read, you know, that are just game changers, and hers are that for me. And She's going to talk a little bit about um, detachment, but really more focusing on the present. And, um, you know, there's this myth about Buddhism that true enlightenment only happens when you, like, give up all your worldly possessions and go live in a cave. And that's just not really the way it is. Um, It can be. But you don't have to take such drastic action in order to find self-fulfillment. And just really these simple acts of letting go of our emotional attachments can really make a huge difference in improving our mental health. And Sherry really speaks to that. Sherry Huber has been a student and teacher of Zen Buddhism for over 35 years and has authored over 20 books. Some of those books have been deeply moving for me personally. Sherry also founded the Zen Monastery Peace Center in Northern California, where she and the monks at the monastery conduct workshops and retreats. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sherry. I have to say you are really such an inspiration to me, and I am so excited to be talking to you today. Oh, well, thank you. I'm excited to be talking to you. (laughs) That works out really well. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) So I have to tell you, I received one of your books, There Is Nothing Wrong With You, several years ago when I was going through a particularly rough time. And a good friend of mine sent it to me in the mail. And it's just, for me, it was one of those books that changed me. I felt like I was really changed from when I started the book to when I finished it. And, I mean, it really was a game changer. Um, So while we're on the subject of that particular book, um, you know, it really suggests that for those of us trying to, quote, unquote, fix ourselves, that there is actually nothing wrong with us. Yet, there's been quite a lot wrong with what we've been taught to believe about ourselves and life in general. Yes. Now, I have to tell you, the first time when I pulled that book out of the package and I read the title and I saw, you know, going beyond self-hate, I thought, oh, no, this book is not for me. I no, like, no, I don't no. self-hate. I like no, myself. No, 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 no. I like yeah, myself. I like myself. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, so, you know, use terms like self-beatings inside the book, and they're pretty strong terms. So I was hoping, could, mm. could you elaborate and shed some light on what those terms mean and also yeah. how they play out in our day-to-day life? Well, and, uh, of course, you, you set us up perfectly with this because it's exactly as you say. So the, the whole title of the book is regardless of what you were taught to believe, there's nothing wrong with you. Which is, it's, it's, it's the whole deal. And anybody who has been around a, a, a baby, <laughs> a puppy, a kitten, <laughs> anything else that's starting out in life, um, we, we can get the level of uh, innocence and, and, uh, and goodness that we experience in a, a little, let's just go with a person, in a little person. And then we watch what happens to that little person growing up. Um, and the layers and layers and layers and layers added on. Now, what those layers, which we call uh, egocentric karmic conditioning self-hate, because um, there's a piece of that in, in each of these layers, uh, what, what that teaches us to do is to deny that mm-hmm. happening, yes. right? So ego says, what ego? 
there's no ego. Self-hate? Self-hate says, well, there's no self-hate. You like yourself. Right. You like yourself. Now, then, of course, what you did, I project, is you, you read along and went, oh, oh, those voices that talk to me in my head and call me names and tell me that was stupid and uh, predict failure for me and like to drag out the past and uh, make cases for what a screw-up I've been, All you know, whatever that is. Those are not nice voices. No. <laughs> and they're not me. That's the key to the whole deal, is that stepping back enough from ego, ego identification, to realize that voice talking in my head, I'm not talking. I'm mm-hmm. listening to it. Mm-hmm. And that That's was huge for me. And, it, and I, I will say, it's definitely a daily practice. It's just... Oh, it's... <laughs> I, I would say minute by minute, actually, wouldn't you? It, no, absolutely. And yeah. you talk about the book, in the book, about kind of going back to that place of stillness which we've talked a little bit on our podcast and we'll talk in the future about meditation. But I, I just feel like it's one of those things that for me sometimes is like, oh yeah, I figured that out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can move along now. Moving along with my life. I figured that little piece yep. out, but this yes. really is just a constant for me barrage of those, of those thoughts of the, of that, of those things, that voice talking to me and having to return, like make the practice of returning to stillness. That's exactly right, Sarah, because the voice in your head says, oh, I figured that out. Right. Which is the signal to stop paying attention. Stop noticing. Just get back to your programming. Right. Your programming of how you should be and what you should do and how to be the right person and how it's all going to work out if you just listen to me, the voice in your head. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, three steps down the road and we fall into another hole and then it starts the beating. What's the matter with you? Why can't you get this right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you add on to it, I feel like right now, the world feels like it's going crazy, at least to me. Yes. You know, between violence and political mm-hmm. strife, there's mm-hmm. so much angst collectively. nuclear war. Oh, exactly. Can we put that in? Yeah, let's just throw that one in. Let's throw that one in mm-hmm. for good measure, Sherry. But mm-hmm. there's just so much angst collectively. And that's kind of like yes. added on top of all of this yes. inner stuff we have just going on in our own heads about our own yes. lives and what we should be. So yes. how, how, do you, how do we find inner peace with so much external turmoil going on? Well, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, the, the comforting part for me in this is that it's always been this way. Now, there hasn't been always the threat of nuclear war, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but there's always been that belief that people have of, oh, God, this is it. You know, now we have guns, now we have bombs, now we have, you know, whatever it, it is that is going to be the end of us. Um, and, of course, we never know when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, However, or if it's ever going to happen, however, the place that we get to actually on a regular basis, because it is more authentically our experience than all of this socially conditioned karmic uh, crapola is the term for it uh, (laughs) in our practice uh, that we've been talking about. What is deeper, what is underneath all of that is the authenticity that is our true nature. Mm-hmm. That's under it all. It's not that under authenticity is the crapola. That's what we're taught to believe, but that's not true. So in your moment-by-moment experience, when you when it drops in for you, stillness. Mm-hmm. It dropped in from stillness. So you're right there where you want to be. You know, you look up at the sky, you see the clouds, it's a beautiful day, and you can you can feel your body relax into the beauty. There. You're there. Yes. Okay? You you see it you see a baby and it and it smiles at you, you're there. Right? And so we're having those experiences constantly, but the din of the crapola keeps us from recognizing that we are touching in constantly with where with what is true and where we want to live. Ah, oh, that is so good. I was I was about to ask you. My next question was like, well, how do we do this for those of us that aren't adept at, 
you know, the stillness or meditating? Like, how okay. do we create that? And you just said it. And I have, if we have time, I have another little piece that I'd like to make a case for. Do we have yes. time? Yes, of okay. course. The, the passion, my current passion, and apparently it has been for about the last 10 years, I just didn't recognize it. What I've been talking about with people is a process uh, that we call recording and listening, simply because <laughs> that's what it is. It's recording and listening, okay? And it is the, the only thing that I've ever discovered in 40, 45 years of awareness practice that can take us from that constant conversation in conditioned mind that is uh, not making our lives better, uh, that leaves most people in a state of fear, anxiety, depression, hell, uh, can bring us back not to what is positive, let me underline that, but to what is true. Mm. And so here's the way it goes. You take out your little recorder, uh, and it can be your phone, it can be, you know, what, whatever you want to record on. And you start talking into that recorder about what is true, uh, what you're grateful for, what you love, what you appreciate, what you find beautiful, what brings you back to your heart, what takes care of you, every bit of goodness, okay? You just talk into that recorder about that. Now, in the beginning, of course, it's a slow start for most people. You know, they can talk for about 30 seconds. But when you get the hang of it, you can go for a walk in the woods, uh, and you're talking about the birds and the sky and the trees and how beautiful nature is and your friends and all of the goodness. And, the, you know, you can go on and on and on with what is true. Ah, oh, I love that. And then you listen to it. So do you, you do this every day? Oh, I do it hours out of the day. You do? Yes. In fact, uh, we do a, a radio show every since <laughs> the election, as a matter of fact, Sarah. <laughs> I do a radio show every morning between 9 and 9.30 uh, because to help, you know, with yeah. the yeah stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, a fellow called in from Canada. He's part of our sangha and has been for a long time, but I don't see him or talk to him regularly. He said that he is recording and listening for 10, 11, 12 hours out of the day. Oh, my goodness. All of the time that he is not required to be doing something specific, like in a conversation with someone, he is listening in, inside his head mm -hmm. to what is true for him instead of listening to the crapola. Uh, because the crapola is there 24 hours uh, a day, seven days a week, right? Yes. And so what we're doing with this is changing that. We're learning to turn our attention to presence and to what is true for us. And then, of course, our experience is that there's far, far, far more goodness in, in life uh, than that nonsense in our head would have us believe. Oh, that is awesome. That's, that is, that is going into practice today. <laughs> okay, good. Good. And here's the thing. If you, you have my phone number, yes, right? So if you need any assistance with it, you just call me. Okay. <laughs> Look so, out, so Sherry. I'll, yeah. So I'll do a little commercial. Uh, there's a website called, uh, it's all written out. It's one long word, of course. Recording and written out. Recordingandlistening.org. Okay. You can go there. The, the beauty of this, it's cheap. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anybody who has a phone can do it. If that website is just filled with exercises to help people uh, get the hang of this. Okay. We're starting to do it with small children so they never go through as much of this crapola as we have. Right. Yeah, I think it's going to change everything. And thank you for letting me talk about it. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Because yeah, the potential is tremendous. And I was actually, I had my last question for you was kind of revolving around this discussion of detachment that we've had for the past couple of weeks uh -huh. on, on the podcast. And I remember you, I read an interview that said that, you know, I think you mentioned something like detachment was overrated or, you know, the term yeah. um, or non-attachment. Yeah. And yes. I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on practicing, quote unquote, detachment in our everyday, everyday lives? And I feel like you just kind of answered it. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> because what <laughs> happens with spiritual types, good people, right? Good, real, good people get attached to non-attachment. And then ego just takes over and uses it as another thing to beat you with. Right. But if we just keep coming back to unconditional love, 
You know, I choose unconditional love. I choose peace. I choose joy. I choose presence. I choose goodness. Get our attention back here, back here, back here. And, uh, you know, the danger in this, of course, is we may become attached to unconditional love. And you know what? I think that's a problem that we can all happily face. (laughs) Yes. That is not a horrible problem to have. (laughs) Not a horrible problem to have. But all of that ego is going to do something to fix you, make you better, improve you. Mm -mm -mm. Right. No. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for your time. You are so welcome. Anytime. You are such a wealth of knowledge and really such an inspiration. So thank you again. Thank you, Sarah. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, my gosh. So much good stuff and so much wisdom. I know. Well, now that we have, <laughs> now that we've heard so much insight, <laughs> let's um, let's talk about watching TV. Okay, great idea. <laughs> okay, <laughs> TV viewing and how it relates to self care. This is an interesting one because I think you know when we talk about coping mechanisms, there are coping mechanisms that you know, are very helpful to us, for example, taking walk or journaling, like where it's sort of moving us along. And then I think there are coping mechanisms that are a little bit more neutral, like watching TV is not necessarily going to <laughs> push you forward in your personal <laughs> <Right>. growth. <laughs> no, you know, but it can be a way to relax It can be almost meditative, depending on what you're watching. It's a way Mm -hmm. to kind of disassociate from a lot of negative thoughts you might be having about the day. Or, you know, we talked about in an early episode when you mentioned how when your head hits the pillow, sometimes it's like a come to Jesus moment with what's Mm -hmm. gone on in the day. A lot of times it can just be 30 minutes to an hour of just, kind of zoning out from all of that, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a bad thing, obviously, if it is taking the place of, you know, better forms of self-care, if it is taking the place of social interactions, if it's a distraction from your family, from your work, from the things you need to be doing. But if you've got the time at the end of the day, it's it's a good way to unwind. That's how I feel because I usually watch TV, a couple, a show, and it's not even every night really, but some nights once I'm in bed, I turn on the television and I watch a show. For me personally, the other, the only other option I would usually engage in at that time is on my phone, which to me, I believe laying in bed and watching a television show is much healthier for me than going on Facebook and scrolling for an hour and then just getting caught in that vortex of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And like, that's not good for my brain. It's not, especially when I'm winding down. Oh no. I agree. I think that, and, and we're going to do a whole, um, a whole episode where we talk about that kind of social media loop. Mm. Um, but I, I do agree with you where I think you know, scrolling Facebook, scrolling the internet on your phone, it's a lot of stimulation and it doesn't really unwind you so much as like sitting and passively watching a TV show. Exactly. So I'm not saying that, you know, watching a television show is the best, like you said as well, in terms of self-care. But for me, it is definitely the better option because for me, I can't hop into bed and just fall asleep. It's just not happening. I put something on, I relax, it makes me tired, I start to drift off, I turn it off, I go to sleep. Luckily. What are you watching these days? Well, I, you know, I really don't watch much TV. And I used to, I used to, um, I... I do tend to find myself pulling out my laptop instead. And, Mm -hmm. and I always pull it out with the intention of, um, I'm going to get a little work done and then I waste time. So it's interesting that for me at this point in my life, me deciding to put my laptop away and watch a show is actually better self-care. Just like you were saying. Exactly. That's how I feel. But I, I don't often do it because I rationalize with myself. I I can't watch TV. I'm going to get work done. And then I waste time on my computer. But I have been, well, recently, um, I have been watching Underground, finally. What's that? Um, It is um, about the Underground Railroad. It's a net, or no, it's a Hulu. So they have all of the basic cable shows, um, you know, like the next day. So you can watch SNL. You can watch The Bachelor. 
which I will admit my real guilty pleasure is I watch the Bachelor series like, like religiously. Well, I have to say the Bachelor, I mean, it always makes me feel better about my life. Like I'll be like, man, I'm like falling apart. And then I watch all these like beautiful people who are just like so messed up. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. That's exactly like my guilty pleasure, Real Housewives of Orange County. Every time I watch it. Do you still watch that? Okay, I do. It's it's the only, it's my one guilty pleasure. Number one, I watch it because I, you know, I used to live there. So I always like to see where they are, where they're going, where they're eating. Yeah, I do like that too. But then And anyone who's lived in Orange County, you know one of them somehow. Like everyone knows one of them somehow. Everyone knows one of them. And they're just some crazy biatches. And I feel really good about myself off when I watch it. I'm like, I'm not as yeah. crazy as I thought I was. This is good. Nope. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's like pat myself on the back. Okay. But I do. I, I watch none of the other ones, <laughs> just the Orange County. I just, I can't stop. I should watch it again. It is fun to watch. It's like just, you said, especially wow. when you live there. Especially when you live there. So yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. And then I, did you watch The Handmaid's Tale? Okay. I read the book. Um, it I did too. Yeah. I mean, it goes down as one of my top five books I've ever read in my life. And I can't, I can't get myself to watch it because I'm just afraid it's going to pale in comparison, but I've heard great things about it though. I mean, it's a classic. It's, it's profound. It is deeply allegorical, but the show is so well done. Now I will say that the first season followed the book pretty okay. well. Okay. But as always happens in these in these shows when they're doing they want to keep going. Right. So at some point you're going to have to depart from the book. The same with Orange is the New Black. You know, at some point they just go like, "All right, now we're writing a whole new story." Right. And so right. that is starting to happen, but the but the first season really followed the book well, but it's so good, Sarah. And okay. it's so timely, like mind-blowingly timely. Uh, that's what I've heard. Okay. So you need to get Hulu. I know. It's, ni- it's nice. Okay. They've got good Netflix, stuff. Netflix, but I do want to watch that. That's on my list. I just finished Ozark, which oh. was uh, amazing. And it has your favorite actor, Jason Bateman. I'm so in love with Jason Bateman. So I'm not even embarrassed about it. I adore him. I watched the first episode and I felt like it was really dark. And I felt like, I don't know if I'm in a place to watch this right now. Okay. You know how sometimes yes. you just need not yes. that? No, absolutely. Does it stay pretty dark? It's dark. But let me say this. Along the lines of Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Ozark's one of them too. I feel like a lot of these shows the first couple episodes are insanely like either violent or gratuitous mm-hmm. or, and I think they yes. do that to kind of lock someone in to me. It, yeah, it I kind agree. of repels me because I just can't watch that kind of, I, I remember like the first or second episode of breaking, breaking bad. I'm like, Oh, I'm done. Like I'm done there. It was just so mm-hmm. gory. Um, but no, like all of those, they, they, ta- they, they become tame. They, I mean, not t- they. They definitely mellow out. And um, Jason Bateman not only stars in it, but he wrote it and directed. I believe. So I know. Oh no, he produced. He produced and directed it. And directed. And, yeah. Yeah. So it is so good. I just finished it. It is so good, Kristen. You have to watch it. Okay, I'm gonna you have, have to. Come you have back to watch to it. it. I mean, of course, it's dark. It's dark all the way through. But um, well, I didn't mind Breaking Bad. Although I will say that I I can't do Game of Thrones. I watched the first season and I felt like it was a little, like the gratuitous sex felt a little rapey. Like, well, yeah, I don't know. Once again, I have to say, totally calm down. As the seasons pass, there's barely sex involved at all anymore on Game of Thrones. That's I mean, funny. very rare. Okay. And I remember the first couple, I'm like, whoa, okay, this is uncomfortable. You know, it's just like the incest and all of that stuff. But yeah. um, I, I mean, Jon Snow, I just, I am so in love with him. I'm so in love with I him. I don't even know who that is. Oh my God. I'm going to, right when we're done with this, I'm going to text you a photo. Oh my gosh. I love him okay. so much. So that's pretty much all I'm watching right now. That's. I will it. say if you're looking for like a comedic, um, guilty pleasure, insecure on HBO is fantastic. It's really good, really funny, really well written. And then um, I really enjoyed Little Big Little Lies. Big oh, Little Lies. I, I watched that too. I, yeah, I read that the book. That was great. I thought it was good. 
I did. Yeah, that was I loved really the book. good. I love, and I had forgotten what happened at the end of the book. So at the end of the season, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about that. I, don't <laughs> I know how know. I forgot about Same. that, but I did. I was like, what? <gasps> so that's, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's so times. ridiculous that you can read a book and like oh, two yeah. years later be like, wait, what's happening? I, yeah. That's done. Well, okay. So what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are going to be chatting about skincare routines, specifically what we do in the morning. We are also going to talk about political strife. I know there's lots of controversy happening in our political landscape right now, and we are going to chat with someone who knows a lot about that. We're super excited for this guest um, about how we maintain our sense of self when we disagree with people. And then we are going to be talking about tattoos as self-care. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to Shepherd Audio for our intro music. Take care. Take care.